Welcome, this is Alchemy, the home of the open mind. We're free and on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net and you can follow us and join the Alchemy community on Facebook and Twitter. It's growing all the time, so don't be shy about saying hello. We exist, of course, thanks to your kind donations, so thank you to everybody who does so via our website. We're completely non-profit and intend to stay that way, even if it means surviving by the skin of our teeth at times. So, on to the show. Alchemy. This week's guest is Suzanne Taylor. Suzanne is the producer and director of the documentary What on Earth? Inside the Crop Circle Mystery. And today I'm planning on having an in-depth discussion, not just about the documentary, but about the crop circle phenomenon in general. Suzanne joins me now from her home in Los Angeles and you're very welcome to Alchemy. How are you, Suzanne? Well, I'm fine. About about to talk about my favorite topic, so I'm very happy to be talking to you, John. Well, I must admit, I'm a relative latecomer to the crop circle phenomena, and it's something that absolutely fascinates me. I have seen your documentary twice now, What on Earth, and we will talk about that in depth. That's what we are here, of course, to talk about today. But before we do that, I'd like to ask you the question that I ask all my guests when they come on the show, and that's how did you get from where you were, Suzanne, to where you are now? Oh, that's a massive question. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. How many hours have you got? Let's see. How did I get from where I was? I, it's really actually a very good question. I ask provocative questions, too. I have, a, I have a deck of cards called Talk on the back, and they all ask provocative questions, and I use them all the time in all kinds of things. I like the sound so, of that. Yeah, really, really. Uh, I'll email you and I'll give you a little uh, visual uh, experience of them. Okay, so how did I get from where I am? Well, let's see. I started out being really uh, smart in, in a school sense. I graduated from college, Phi Beta Kappa and Summa Cum Laude. But the world did not make tremendous sense to me. Um, part of that was... Um, that my, my father, for some unknown reason, moved us into a neighborhood where I was the wrong religion. And um, people cared about that in those days. You knew what religion everybody was. I, <laughs> look where I'm talking to over in Ireland over there. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, but we had our issues here too. And I had to fight every day for what, you know, I was five years old. What did I even know what I was fighting about? But it started me out with the sense that, wait a minute, the world doesn't make sense. Why am I, why am I fighting for something I don't even understand? And so I became very curious about how does this world work? What is really, really going on? And eventually I started to produce uh, programs uh, about uh, consciousness, essentially, uh, because we seem to be in the wrong one. Here we were in this world of materialism run by greed and obviously hitting a wall where it wasn't even working, you know, for a while. Uh, we, it seemed to be all right, even though uh, there was uh, some underground dissent when the whole 60s started. And uh, 
a lot of realization came on the scene about the world not being right. But it was still maintaining. The 60s seemed to have kind of got smoothed over. Uh, but, um, you know, still, if you were really paying attention, uh, you saw that we were headed in a direction that just was unsustainable yeah. and unworkable. And so that, that was my curiosity. How does the world work? And I started to produce programs and events that had to do with essentially consciousness. Uh, in the earlier days, it was self-awareness, self-help, you know, what was, what, what, what was going on in our psyches individually. Uh, and then as we moved along and learned a lot about that, then I started looking at what's going on in the collective consciousness. What's, what is this worldview that we're in, all of us together, creating this world that, <laughs> that doesn't really work. And so um, I produced events about lots of different kinds of aspects of, of, of this query. And the crop circles came along as just one more topic uh, that when I saw pictures of them, uh, it was in the 80s that I saw an album of pictures. A friend of mine had a son stationed in the military in England, and he was taking pictures of what at the time they were calling landing pads for UFOs. <laughs> uh, and I saw the pictures and they were crop circles, uh, not named that at the time. And I thought, what in the world is that? And if in fact, we are being visited, if that's true, then wow, that would capture the imagination of every human being on earth. The mind would start thinking, what's going on? Uh, we're not the only intelligence in the universe. We're not this big master, big cheese. Uh, it would humble us if we actually engaged another consciousness. And, you know, just like, uh, I guess the last precedent would be uh, Copernicus and Galileo taking Earth out of the center of the cosmos, of the universe. And it changed our psyches. It changed our position in relation to the universe. Change your position in relation to the universe and everything changes. We, we gradually went from kings and serfs, domination and lower class, into democracy, into a more democratic way of being in, in, the, in the world when we were no longer the supreme center of the universe. Well, what about if we're no longer the only intelligence in the universe proved, not, not science fiction, because we believe, you know, with the billions of galaxies and I mean, there must be life out there, hmm. but until we actually find it and identify it and accept the reality of, of, of it really being specifically um, in place, well, we, we're still the big cheese. So I thought, well, this is worth more investigating. This is, and it was so fascinating that, you know, eventually it wasn't just programs in Los Angeles. Eventually, uh, let's see, 1993 was my first trip to England. And um, I, I just got hooked. It was, uh, it was so exciting then. Everybody, the, everybody was just, you know, buzzing with, what is this? What's going on? And the evidence, you know, as opposed to, Occam's razor, you know, that would say, oh, well, people must make them. Wait a minute, you have to look at the evidence. And if you look at the evidence, you see it's not just flattened crop, which 
alone would be a challenge for people to make given the short English nights and whatever. They actually have gotten good at that. They're good at flattening crop now, which they weren't back in those days so much. You could look at a crop circle back then, it was a mess. And you could say, oh, that's a mess, you know, that, that's, not, that's not a real one. Uh, but there, there are biological changes to the plants. I'm sure we're gonna, we're gonna talk about all of that. Well, those flattened crops that the hoaxers are making don't exhibit any of those characteristics. And so when you, say, when you see how likely it is that some unknown force is making these things, well, then what? So I was on to, to my mind, what could really change the world? And I'm a basically impatient person. Little slow progress is, you know, it's very nice. Everybody has to make little slow progress. Yeah. But I want to change everything. How do you grab? How do you grab the whole thing, and 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 do something radical to it? So, how do you do that? How do you do? How do you tell the world anything? You make movies. And I already was an actress. I was a drama major in college. I had some fair success as an actress. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, and my husband was a, a producer, so I was real familiar with the film world. And I thought, well, okay, let me go play on the other side of the camera. And so, you know, now I could keep talking for the rest of your show, but I think you have the answer to the question you asked me. How did I get from there where, you know, where I started to hear. I think so absolutely. And a fascinating journey it appears to have been. And there's no doubt that crop circles, I mean, it, it comes through in What on Earth, the documentary when watching it, the absolute passion that you have for this subject and the reasons that you've just described to us there for that passion. But for those that mightn't be entirely aware of say the history of crop circles we, we know that they are those pictures in the corn and anybody who I asked in the lead up to this interview what, what was their take on crop circles that was kind of the most in-depth explanation I could get from anyone not many people know very much about it certainly within my immediate peer group so what is a crop circle where speculatively do they come from I mean you've already hinted at that Suzanne but when did they first start coming to public attention or into the public consciousness? Well, I'm going, to start, I'm going to start at the end, John, and tell you that I think the reason that you don't know or people now don't know, young people don't know what's going on, is because of um, they've gone from this exciting topic, which had the world excited, and, and you know, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning, you know, but the, the hoaxer, uh, aspect of all of this uh, in the last few years has escalated to where it's no longer uh, this exciting phenomenon and oh yeah some of them are hoaxed but the hoaxers have become uh, very verbal very uh, uh, loud very they'll you know you can hardly in social networking say anything positive without they seem to be trolling and they're on you oh you know they're all fake uh, they say to me about my movies or oh, they'll post uh, um, comments on on uh, social networking uh, where, where the movie is in play oh you you know they're all fake you're just doing it for the money and I think oh really you know for the money, what a joke, because it costs us a lot more. All the people who are plugged into this phenomenon and have given so much to it, believe me, nobody's getting rich on it, you know? Mm. It's really uh, quite a labor of love. Uh, so, uh, but, but I think that that hoaxer nastiness has kind of um, uh, 
taken over in a way, and 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 it has really reduced the public's interest in all of this. They they because it's difficult to accept something as off the charts as this could be. The mind. I think I, somebody in my movie actually talks about this. That the mind, any excuse to say, oh yeah, that's settled, or we don't have to think about that. You don't have to think about consciousness or the state of the world. We just go you know, back to our whatever complacency we have. And so, you know, the hoaxers have allowed people to, <clears throat> to dismiss this and to say, oh yeah, that's nothing really going on over there. And I think that's what's happened in the last few years. So now let me go back to, remind me again now, you asked me when did the public become aware of this? That You want me to give a little history here? Yeah, kind of. I mean, is it is it a relatively recent phenomenon or does it go right back, Suzanne? Okay, well, the current uh, phenomenon, the current phase of it, which is the first time that the whole world kind of plugged into it because we have incidents, uh, as you would see in my movie, 1678, there's a woodcut that, uh, which is, if you, if you Google mowing devil, it's everywhere. And it seems to show a crop circle, uh, a, a woodcut of a crop circle and a little story along with it. What, what, why are they putting this picture up? Mm -hmm. uh, and, but it's so much, a crop circle that we kind of date that as the first uh, appearance in world literature or world awareness uh, for as far as that little woodcut got uh, of the fact that there was something going on and then every hundred years or so there would be some little flurry in the uh, communication device of the day we we do a reenactment of uh, something that appeared in Nature magazine, which was your big publication over there that's considered very high-minded about science. Mm. And um, there's a scientist who came across crop circles in a field and uh, was stunned by them. And then we, we recreate the, uh, the what Nature magazine published about that. Uh, and there were a couple more issues in Nature where letters went back and forth. Of course, we didn't have social media in the uh, 18, 1800s. And um, a little, a uh, uh, couple more issues, and then that went away. There wasn't, you know, nothing caught on with the general public until this current phase. And now we have a full-blown phenomenon that the world plugged into and uh, plug, even though it's plugging out of it now. But the, the, that started in the late 70s when a couple of people came across one, got interested, started looking around, found some more. And the, um, the big splash, they, they were occurring and being tracked by a sort of underground group during the 80s. The big splash when the world uh, press took uh, notice was in 1990, when uh, after a relatively simple circles, uh, many of them actually, hundreds of them had appeared in the 80s. Sometimes they would be just ring, you know, just uh, uh, circles, flattened circles. Sometimes they'd be flattened circles with rings around them. Sometimes they'd be two next to each other. Sometimes there'd be three in a little diamond, little triangular pattern. But they were all fundamentally just circle, flattened circles. Uh, then in 1990, all of a sudden, something that totally broke the mold came along. And somebody um, who went and 
got the press actually and said, come look at this. And then our modern phenomenon really took off. And the, the world was fascinated by it. It was every country was running articles about what was going on in England. Now we've got some 40 odd countries that have had uh, incidents. Uh, but at the time, it was uh, just England. I mean, you know, the world wasn't knowing that anything was going on. Mm. And what was happening uh, that caught their attention was in England. And, um, and this incident just splashed through the world. Uh, what in the world was it? Thousands of people fought in England. It, it was a huge tourist attraction. They they went, you know, looked at this thing, went through this thing, and then we we were off and running. Well, you know, how does the world work? It works by one step forward, two steps back, or duality or counterbalancing. A yes is contradicted by a no. You know, it's kind. It is the way of progress, you even might say, because the no encourages the yes to become more uh, sharper and, you know, to not just uh, uh, be complacent with things that go on, but have to really go into uh, proving things and, and justifying things and mm -hmm. what have you. So that started with the crop circles in 1991. Um, in 1990, we had this extraordinary, unusual one, uh, it's actually the cover of my DVD uh, of What on Earth. Uh, I used that. I used it because it was so pivotal. Uh, so we we had a, a wonderful artist do do something that made it into uh, a DVD cover. And and by the way, I want to tell your audience, CropCircleMovie.com is where you can see my trailer and find out how to get the movie. I just want to say that for people who may be tuned in and not stick around for the whole thing. Heaven forbid. But what well, if, nobody would dream of leaving this conversation early. Nobody would dream early. of doing that. Right, right, right. But all right. So it, that so then then we had 1991, and in 1991. Along with uh, other other uh, simpler ones that kept appearing, there were two astonishing ones. Again, astonishing to match that 1990 astonishing one, uh, and um, one of them uh, was outside Cambridge. The Mandelbrot set, it's called, it's after Benoit Mandelbrot, who was teaching at Cambridge, and we owe our modern understanding of fractals to Mandelbrot, and the symbol that appeared in the field right outside Cambridge where he was teaching was the essential symbol of the this, well, they call it the Mandelbrot after him um, because he popularized this whole phenomenon, all the stuff that you now kind of see on your computers, endlessly re repetitive fractal patterns. They all stem from this little symbol that appeared in this field outside Cambridge. And then the other one, um, it was uh, something that um, was an ancient alchemical symbol with just a extraordinary lineage of symbolic representation that it, that it stood for, mm. and again, it was it was quite complex. And Barbary Castle is what it's called. It's only called that because that's where it appeared. And by the way, when they say ca there are a lot of sites in England that are called castle. Um, there are no castles there. Apparently, they were uh, fortifications. They're flat kind of. Uh, uh, pads that are raised, and there used to be, uh, they, they were lookout kind of uh, uh, sites, and they 
they, there are several of them. They're called now called castles. You look and go, hmm, no castle here. It's all flat, flat ground. Well, this other astonishing one appeared at this place called Barbary Castle, and so the crop circle has now gotten that acquired that name. So it, they get named, I don't know, accidentally in the name sticks, and sometimes it uh, refers to the shape, sometimes it's the location. There's nothing official about it. We don't have an official, uh, you know, uh, controlled phenomenon where everybody, yeah. you know, naming them and then the, the, that's their name, like stars, I guess, get named. Um, but uh, so those two astonishing ones appeared. And then right on the heels of that, at the end of 1991, we had our major contradiction, which was still, uh, <laughs> if you say, sometimes you, uh, talk crop circles and people will say, oh no, no, no. Those got disproved years ago. Doug and Dave did them all. They even remember their names. They've gotten infamous, I guess. Is this Power uh, and Chorley we're speaking about? Yes, yes, yes. Power and Chorley, otherwise mm. known as Doug and Dave. Yeah, tell uh, us about Doug and Dave. Well, we do a lot in the movie about them and hopefully, charmingly, we we, we, we make them into a bit of a cartoon. Uh, but Doug and Dave are were two farmers. Art, well, one is gone now, so there were two farmers. Um, they call them old, but you know, the older I get, the worse that sounds. No, no, they were they were middle aged. <laughs> uh, but 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 two farmers, little you know, farmer people in England. They they came forth and they said we made them all. And again, the mind wants to go, oh, well, okay, now we don't have to think about that anymore. We know what happened. These two guys made the ball. Well, it was so ridiculous. But, you know, public perception is what it is. Mm. And so mm. a after that, a, a somewhat struggle started where the hoaxing thing um, reared its ugly head and, and stayed. But it stayed fairly... Um, tameable until, as I say, these last perhaps two years, coming into our third year, where the hoaxes all of a sudden started screaming everywhere and, and you know, calling everything a fake and what have you. The hoaxers uh, indeed didn't want to kill the phenomenon early on because it did develop into a huge tourist attraction. And why do hoaxers do this? They get no credit. If they were caught, they would be fined. Uh, they, they, what, what artist puts out work that doesn't want any recognition? I mean, it's counterintuitive, but. Well, that's so a very interesting question because, I mean, one name that springs to mind is Banksy, the graffiti artist from London. Right. Um, who for years everybody wondered who was Banksy who's doing this kind of uh, th this guerrilla style graffiti all around the place and it was critically acclaimed but one of the interesting things about the quest or the search for Banksy was that the media made concerted attempts over years to try and unmask and discover who he was now we have these crop circles which having seen pictures and videos and movies with loads and loads of them in it, some of them are the most unbelievably complex geometric patterns. I mean, they're phenomenal to look at. I've never seen one in the flesh, but just to see pictures, they're absolutely incredible. And when one draws correlations between what actually exists in the natural world and the geometric patterns that are then shown to us within the crop circles, I mean, some of it is, is mind-boggling, it's staggering. So how come 
I have to ask, how come the media don't suddenly look to expose or to find out who are the artists or the so-called artists behind this incredible art, if that's what it is? That's just an anomaly that I don't think anybody has managed to plug that gap, certainly for me. We have this so-called art in the eyes of the sceptics, yet nobody has any interest in uncovering who the artists are. That doesn't make sense to me. So how would you address that, Suzanne? Well, I actually have spoken to that and I've said what, you know, there's and I've tried to uh, spread the word to the media. There is just as good a story here. Uh, if you discover that people are making them, how did they do that? And why did they do that? And what have you? As if we discover that it's coming from an, wherever you however the story ends, it's all hoaxers or it's a mystery going on. You have a fabulous story, media. Why aren't you paying attention? It is a, a fabulous story, if you, the Banksy story. You discover who these, who these, you know, where these things are coming from. I don't know. You tell me, why is there so little interest in it? I don't know. Yeah, it is maybe, incredible. Maybe the difference between Banksy, which of course we had a movie made about this whole thing. Yeah. And also, you also might say, in a way, Banksy was getting known. He was not known for who he was, but that there was an individual doing this in a way was an attention, even not being known, made it a greater attention getter that he could in a way bask in the glory of. In, in terms of the hoaxers, there's a, there's a fair number of them. So there isn't any um, you know individual who's playing with the world that way and getting some kind of vicarious recognition. Mm. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense that these hoaxers, so as many of them as there are, go out. It, you know, it's not very pleasant to go out into those English fields. The weather is usually terrible. There's a lot of storm and rain, and they appear in storm and rain. Uh, and there are a lot of them that are being hoaxed. Why are they doing that? You know, it's a, it would be a fascinating story, really. And how are they doing it? Because, you know, the English, you know, over there, your nights are four or five hours of darkness, and some of these are tremendously complex. And we have now discovered that, in fact, the hoaxers seem to, we used to say, they can't be hoaxed because of how complex they are. Hmm. How could they do that in four or five hours? Well, in terms of flattening crop, over the years, first of all, they've acquired good geometers, which they didn't have early on, that you could tell by the mess of the geometry of a geometric pattern. Not all of them are geometric, but a good portion of them are. And that was uh, certainly evidenced in the work of Doug and Dave. I mean, their stuff was abysmal in terms of any kind of artistic credibility or geometric credibility. Well, you know, when you asked Doug and Dave, uh, what about the geometry? They, they said, what? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, but somehow or other, I'd like to know how in the world are they laying these patterns down now that, is, to the best of my knowledge, some of the very interesting ones, in fact, have been done by the hoaxers. I want to know how they do that. Uh, it would be a fabulous story. You have any influence, John? Um, it depends what kind of influence you're looking for, Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can get that for the press and say, wait a minute, press, you have a story here, however it turns out. Why are you 
you know, why are you not paying attention? Um, we could surely use that. We could surely, well, I have my call out for them to land a thousand in one night all over the world. But short of that, the press could help us a lot. <laughs> one of the things I would like to talk about with regard to the hoaxed crop circles versus those that many believe are not hoaxed is the, the physical properties. You touched on it a little bit earlier on, but there are some biological and chemical differences that cannot be ignored. So let's talk a little bit about that, Suzanne. Well, I always, you know, when people say, well, what's the definitive test? And there are many different things that we could point to that um, we do in, in the movie and, you know, we, you and I could talk about uh, that are, oh, yes, that happens in a hoax one, doesn't happen in a not hoax one. But the definitive thing that I always point to is the science because the world, you know, respects science. They have done very um, expensive and carefully done with, with uh, scientific protocols, uh, scientific work on establishing what's going on with the, the crop. And what they have, the place, by the way, for your listeners uh, to go for all of the studies, they're all in one, on one website, which is BLT, bacon, lettuce, tomato, although it's not that, bltresearch.com. And you'll find all the scientific studies and more. Uh, perhaps at the, uh, we'll get to what's going on with BLT because I'll just give you a little hint. I think the phenomenon may have left England and it's in um, the Netherlands now. And BLT Research, which is Nancy Talbot, the T of BLT, she's the active, she's the founder and the active participant there now. The other two are actually gone. Uh, and, and she's uh, focused on the Netherlands now. But that, that's kind of the end of the story, so maybe we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. But in terms of what uh, the scientific evidence turned up from these very carefully done experiments, uh, and very expensive, by the way. We, we used to have a big funder, Lawrence Rockefeller of the Rockefeller, rich Rockefeller family over here. Not the whole foundation for the family, which is, you know, rather conservative or it's not, it's, it, it, is, it isn't unusual with, with what they fund. But Lawrence, one of the uh, principles of the family had his own foundation and he was very interested in pa things paranormal and what might be going on and he was a big funder for a lot of the science work that was done he's gone now too unfortunately but what they did uh, come up with was that there were biological changes to the plants and chemical changes to the soil in crop circles that were not possible for us to create um, for instance, I'll start with the soil. There was one really very extensive, uh, expensive uh, uh, experiment done or work done on um, a, a circle where they established that one of the elements in the soil uh, was not found in the surface soil on Earth. And to kind of uh, uh, give a sense of what it might have uh, consisted of or, 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 you know, the chemical nature of it, where that might have been found, it might, it might be found way down deep below the crust of the surface of the earth where the pressure has been on it for millions of years and the heat from the, <laughs> from the center of the earth um, came up and influenced it. And that is the chemical kind of uh, nature of what we might have uh, uh, th this this 
element that was found in the surface soil of a crop circle. That's how it might have been produced. But there it is in the surface soil. No, no, no. It doesn't appear in surface soil anywhere on Earth. So that was a very telling uh, piece of work. The crops have had a lot of different aspects uh, that have turned up in the lab. Um, there are, um, it, it, you, it, you know, it's much easier when you see the pictures. Uh, the shafts of, uh, of um, the, the grain crops are um, in pieces held together by nodes. Um, and the uh, nodes in what we, the, in the science that has been done on them and what you actually can see in the field, one of the things you look for is what we call bent nodes uh, early on in the crop you know, the crop when it's laid down is not uh, cut, it's, it's bent and it bends at the nodes. And the, um, the, um, so, so the lab established that. And then of course you see some of this in the field as well. These, you can see almost, you know, 90 degree angle where the crop is growing up and then it's bent over 90 degrees. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, you know, that is not something that happens in your control crops that are outside the, the, uh, the circles. You also get what we call blown nodes with holes in those nodes. That's in more mature crop where there's not so much give. And when whatever this force is, and they think it's microwave energy that it exists in the universe and something has harnessed it, uh, when the microwave energy shoots up through the stalk, uh, it can't bend the stalk without uh, breaking the, the, the node. The, the, break is I shouldn't use that word because the crops are not broken but the node the nodal point has a hole blown in it it hasn't had as much give in it that it can bend over without blowing this hole hmm. so we, we find what we call blown nodes and you'll see in my movie and on bltresearch.com you can you know see pictures of these things that are very clear you'll see it in the pictures and then there are also uh, biological changes to the actual uh, uh, structure of the uh, stalks uh, of the grain um, that, again, you know, don't don't appear in um, uh, your control crops, and then you have seed head issues. If um, if if it's, you know the uh, crop circles appear in in new crop that's very green and still has lots of life in it, uh, and they also appear in. Formation, uh, formations appear in crop that has really finished growing. In fact, up to the day of harvest, there's no more juice, there's no more life left in them. And um, if the formation uh, occurs late in the cycle of, um, uh, of the growth of the crop, your seeds will become energized. Uh, if, it if the crop circle appears early on, your crop will keep growing. Phototropism will take over. It will turn back up very quickly. You, you'll lose your pattern fairly quickly because it'll turn back up and start growing again. But your seed heads will be damaged. And when the crop is mature, you will not have good seed in them. You, you, you won't have real seed in them. You have puny little things in the seed heads. And again, all those pictures are quite graphic. And you'll see them on BLT Research or, you know, in my movie. <laughs> Truly, I think I'm wrong. I think it's not in this movie. I was the executive producer of, a, of an earlier movie called Crop Circle's Quest for Truth, and that has more of the science in it. Uh, you can get that on CropCircleMovie.com also. You can get access to, to that movie. But 
Um, that was the one I went to school on. I, I, I looked for a filmmaker after I said to myself, wait a minute, we've got to tell the world about this. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fascinating, Suzanne, because it does appear that there are two clear groups of crop circles, if you like. There are the ones that display the characteristics that you've just described and the ones that don't. So there is something causing that and there doesn't seem to be any kind of rational scientific explanation for why there are the two groups. So we, we, that, that's why it's a phenomenon, I suppose, and that's why there's so much mystery surrounding it. But there is another, and that's the electrical effect that it seems to have. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Mobile phones and cameras and batteries and that kind of thing. Well, yes, as I said, there are many other things that go on. I, I like to refer to the scientific experiments just because the world is so plugged into science. And mm. for heaven's sakes, if you're going to believe everything else that science tells you, pay attention to this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but indeed, um, you have very, again, my movie talks a lot about these things where your cell phone will not operate in the circle, but it actually, if you go to the edge of the circle and hold your phone over the the standing crop that has not come to, you know, been part of the formation, it will work. But these are not, you know, the lab is, is they're, they're uh, doing their work on uh, some particular thing that's under their microscope and they'll tell you the absolute thing that's happening here with it in the, in the scientific experiments that have been done. But in these other things, they're hit or miss. There are times when your cell phone will work fine. You can't count on that. Um, but you have your little incidents like uh, that, um, you know, kind of underscore the veracity of this, where early on they, um, uh, they, the BBC had a um, shoot. And this was back in the days of film and uh, they got back to their station and first time ever in the history of everything they've done, they had blank film. Uh, well, doesn't surprise us, you know, these kind of things happen, all these very strange electrical interferences, uh, including with cameras. We have situations where you've got a fully charged battery you go into a crop circle now, you know, now that we're operating these um, cameras and video cameras and cell phones, mm. uh, you go into a, a circle with a fully charged camera, your battery's dead. Or we show you one instance where one of the researchers was in a helicopter taking pictures and her, uh, the electrical mechanism, she says, it it fried, it, it melted. She took the camera into the camera shop and the camera people said, what? We've never seen anything like this. So we have lots of that kind of stuff that goes on that some interferences is occurring. And in any of the clearly, for, for example, there are some crop circles that are deliberately hoaxed by corporations um, for publicity purposes and that kind of thing, which they do claim credit for. And I mean, I've seen examples of Hello Kitty crop circles and particular brands and that kind of thing. Have any of those phenomena been displayed in those quite obviously um, faked crop circles? Well, you know what? First of all, we don't call those hoaxed. Uh, we call those advertising. Yeah, well, fair uh, enough. We, yeah, we better description. Nobody's trying to fool us into thinking that, you know, the aliens made them or whoever, some force made them. No, mm. no, we know. We know who makes them. And um, interestingly enough, uh, you see the scaffolding that they put up, the lights that they use, like if they were into the night, uh, the, all the ways in which 
uh, it takes them a long time to make them, um, which is, well, wait a minute. Uh, we used to think that was kind of the evidence of how long and how difficult it was to make those things when they were commissioned, when they were advertising. Yeah. Uh, and then we used, we used to say, you see, the hoaxers can't be making those complicated shapes because look how, you know, look at the mechanism it would take. I mean, they do it in the stealth of the night and the night is short, whatever. But we have to revise that now, you know? We're, we're in a little puzzlement. How in the world do they get those shapes down? As I say, they have no characteristics, no, no cell phone situations, no battery situations, none of those things in uh, the uh, advertising ones. None of those things appear, uh, those strange, odd things. You're just dealing with flattened crop. Mm. Um, but, but you know, again, I'm, I, I'd sure like to know how those hoaxers are flattening interesting patterns in that short amount of time. Um, they've just gotten very facile at it. There's things they still can't do, though. For instance, one of the formations we show you in my movie is a uh, circle in a... I'm wondering if this is in my movie or the first one, but anyway, one of the movies. Um, there's a circle in, in America, actually, in Ohio, in a, uh, an organic field. Well, the way the hoaxers get in and the way we get in, actually, to see these crop circles is uh, we call them tram lines. You know that over there. Yeah. Uh, they're the uh, way that the machinery comes to fertilize and, and um, harvest and what have you. But in an organic field, they don't have those machine lines. They're just a field that has no access way. So when you see a crop circle in the middle of a field like that, there's no way that, the, that you can get into it. If you walk across a field, uh, a grain field, and you're not in those tram lines, first of all, you're out of the protocol. There are protocols now. You must walk on the tram lines because you destroy the farmer's crop hmm. uh, when you walk through his field. The tram lines are, are pathways. Um, so, uh, but there's no you know, nobody has walked in to where those circles appear in organic fields. So we like, you know, every time we see something or every, whatever there is that belies the fact that uh, they can't all be hoaxed, we really like those things. So we like our organic fields with crop circles in them. And you mentioned the farmers. I find it very interesting, or would find it very interesting, to know what the opinions of some of the farmers whose fields these crop circles appear in, because, I mean, apart from the ramifications that it would have, the attention that it brings, and obviously they're trying to do a job and they're trying to earn a living or whatever it might be, what are the opinions of the farmers, or have any of the farmers actually witnessed crop circles just appear in front of their eyes, or does it seem to be the type of thing that happens when nobody's looking? Well, um... uh, I have to answer your question by, yes, there have been eyewitnesses. None of the farmers are the eyewitnesses. They're okay. just whatever people happen to be somewhere, and there it is, and they've seen it go down. And there are perhaps 30 eyewitness accounts. They go way back into the 40s, and they've been collect. They used to be a center for crop circle studies um, that collected all the information. It was wonderful to have that. It was a focal point, a, they, a place that could collect all the information and where the media could come and ask questions. But early on, there was so much contention um, and the hoaxers always 
you know, the contention they've created in the last few years has really uh, escalated. But they were always a um, an annoying uh, aspect of things, and they create argument and contention, contentiousness. And somehow that center did not survive that. Uh, but when the center was operating, they had collected 25 reports of eyewitness accounts, which essentially all say the same thing. Um, they say that the circles go down in six or seven seconds, no matter how complex, they, when I say circles, I mean formations. Yeah. Uh, no matter how complex they are, the whole thing swooshes down in six or seven seconds. Every report has, has echoed that. And so, you know, we believe that that's what happens. Whatever that force is that's making that happen, it happens in six or seven seconds. And in terms of what the farmers, how the farmers relate, well, there's a whole, you know, range of how they relate. Um, first of all, the uh, when there is a uh, an interesting pattern uh, and that attracts a lot of tourists, frequently the farmers have taken to putting up um, a toll booth, we call them honesty boxes. And you're asked with a little sign, depending, you know, how desirable the formation is to be seen, mm -hmm. uh, to put a pound or two pounds into the honesty box. I mean, a little side note is that they have a little trouble keeping the honesty boxes from being stolen or, or broken into, but yeah. <laughs> human nature. Uh, but some of them, uh, uh, and, and by the time a good circle has collected, you know, what it will collect, it, it will more than pay, as I understand it, for the crop that was destroyed. Uh, so that seems to be, you know, a, a acceptable situation with a lot of the farmers. Um, some of the farmers don't put any honesty box up and they love the circles. Um, they're, they're very, there's some fields that get hit repeatedly and some of those farmers have been very happy with the circles. And uh, others are just so angry and hostile. Uh, sometimes they'll, they'll sit with a shotgun, you know, <laughs> outside a circle. You better not go into that one. Right. And they, want, they don't want people in their fields. They're the ones who believe, generally speaking, I think they believe they're all hoaxed. And, you know, they do not want the boys from the pub messing up their fields. Yeah. Uh, so you just get, you know, this wide range of opinion. Well, there's a question I have to ask then. When some of the fields get hit on a regular basis, why doesn't somebody just sit up all night and keep an eye on the fields? Just so, you know, they, so they can that. get a, a recent eyewitness account. I know. They, they do that. And somehow or other, it doesn't happen. Um, what you might say is that the phenomenon is controlling us. We're not controlling it. And if it doesn't want to be caught, however, whatever it will take not to be caught, it will do that. You know, we're, we're trying to, you know, sneak up on something that's so much more powerful than we are. Um, and then we have your little interesting incidents. Early on, when the media was taking more interest, mm. the BBC and Japanese television combined forces to set up a this one particular field that's had more than any of them and more of the really good ones than any of them. And they set up a watch. I think it had, there were two watches actually in the early years. So the kind of thing that would happen would be they'd be there for two weeks, they wouldn't get anything. The day they left, 
a crop circle would appear or a crop circle would appear in the next field that they didn't have their camera trained on. I mean, it's almost like something is winking at us. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a reverse observer effect or something. Oh, you know something I don't know. What's a reverse obser- observer? Well, that, that, that's my language now as opposed to anything scientific or tangible <laughs> or verifiable. But there are theories out there that we create our own reality and that something doesn't exist until it is actually observed. Um, and there are experiments such as Schrodinger's cat and that kind of thing. So that if, if something isn't, this is almost like the, the reverse of that. Um, if you seek to observe it, you won't. <laughs> and when you're not looking, yeah. it'll creep up behind you. Well, yeah, there's play here going on with our psyches and our consciousness, right? <laughs> yeah, it certainly seems to be that way. Um, and there's something else that I wanted to uh, bring to the attention of our listeners, and that's the Arecibo message. What can you tell us about that? Because this fascinated me when I first heard about it. Well, rightly so. Very fascinating. Um, in 19, excuse me, 2001, um, prior to what you're talking about, a week or two prior to that, uh, the largest crop circle ever, which we call Milk Hill just because that's where it appeared, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden appeared. And it was the size of two football fields in a beautiful uh, six, it, it was a big circle with uh, six spokes and 409 separate circles making up the uh, formation in a kind of fractal pattern. And it was so large and so awesome uh, in fact, the, the big hoaxer, the, there's a sort of uh, central hoaxer group, most famous one. They get, they do most of the advertising commissions. And they were scratching their heads going, oh, my God, what made that? <laughs> uh, really, that was unusual. They didn't usually make comment like that. That one attracted the world press. CNN was there. Whenever something happens, I think in generally in uh, every ongoing phenomenon. It's kind of invisible until some unusual thing happens with the phenomenon and then uh, it gets some attention. So this got the attention of the world press, this huge, massive formation. Uh, A week later and then another, a week later something started to happen in uh, another field and it started out with there were two formations that appeared. The one you're talking about was the second one. The first one that appeared in that field uh, was all made out of dots. If you were on the ground, all you saw were standing tufts of dots in various sizes that made no sense whatsoever. When you got above it, you could see, you know, dots is how newsprint is made. And when you got above it, you could see that it was a face. Uh, you had to be, you know, in, in the air to look down on it. And that was rather fascinating. We never, either before or since, have had another one made out of a dot matrix that way. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Oh, a face. What do you know? And then a, a week or so after that, right adjacent to it in uh, that field, appeared this thing you're talking about. Now, this is a bit of a story, so let me let me try and tell it short, shortly. Um, it was an echo of something that happened in um, 1996. No, no, 1976. Oh dear, now what's my date? 19, uh, yeah, 1976. Um, Arecibo, Puerto Rico, was the world's largest radio telescope, and it had some 
uh, improvement done to it, or maybe it was the launch of it. It was some major event at this largest radio telescope. Carl Sagan had a hand in designing a message that was sent out in binary code, and binary code can translate to a picture uh, if you lay it out on paper. Uh, so it was a message sent out in binary code. I, I hope I'm saying this right. I'm not a scientist, but I, I, I'm basically right. If anybody wants to take issue, you're probably right, but whatever. It was sent out in binary code uh, as just a commemorative kind of thing, the way we do that sort of thing where we plant a time capsule and it has a little bit of everything going on on Earth and who knows, millions of years, somebody will find it. Well, this was the same thing. It was sent out uh, into the cosmos with... Um, information about us, uh, that we, uh, how many planets we have, that the Earth is the third planet from the sun, that uh, 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 what is our uh, chemical makeup, uh, a lot of informa basic information about Earth was encoded in this binary code message. We didn't really expect anything back, in fact it wasn't going to land it wasn't going to come near any other heavenly body for another 250 years. And then all of a sudden, in 2001, we get the face appears. And first of all, I'll tell you what about this field that this message appeared in as the second formation in that field. It is by the largest radio telescope in England. Chill Bolton is the location. So the radio telescope in Arecibo, Puerto Rico, sent this thing out. And what we're getting is a correspondence to it. It's our information about who we are on Earth, what a human being's all about. And we get a correspondence to it in the field that's absolutely, you know, lay over it. It's an absolute correspondence in shape and in all the little aspects, but these aspects are different in that these are the aspects of some other creature. So we're, however, five foot five, they're three feet tall. They have large heads that look like the grays, the pictures we see of the grays. You see this in this picturization of uh, the formation. Uh, we're made out of carbon here on Earth. What got sent out there? chiefly made out of silicon. So all the cars, they have three planets that are inhabited. We have one uh, in our solar system. So all these correspondences in this little issue, uh, in, this, in this crop circle that landed in, in 2001. Well, so I'll just tell you, I, first of all, I was one of the first people in it. It was fascinating getting to it. Uh, it was a lot of climbing through barbed wire and what have you. And nobody was at the radio telescope station. Nobody was shooing us away. Uh, but there, the, hardly anybody been in it. There I was in it. I thought, oh, wow, what is this? And so, and, and there are aerials being taken all the time. You've got helicopters flying all the time. And we had a picture of it already. And it's going, oh my God. And I said, well, this is going to turn the world around. A couple of weeks ago, we had the largest one ever. On the heels of that, this one is going to get the world to go, wow. They were titillated by the largest one ever. This one is so astonishing, not to mention the face being pretty interesting also. Uh, 
wow, now the world is going to really pay attention. I think I bet everything I had on it with somebody. Fortunately, they didn't hold me to my bet because <laughs> there was no interest in it whatsoever. The world paid no attention at all. I don't know. I didn't get it. I don't know why. I find But, that amazing because the minute I heard about this, um, which was very recently, late to the party, as I said earlier, I just thought, even if this is the world's biggest hoax, it's still the world's biggest hoax. It was absolutely fascinating. Really, absolutely. When you were right on my wavelength, absolutely. There's a little video that was made uh, by, uh, the per uh, by a Norwegian filmmaker who, um, I'm trying to remember what the name of his feature film is. It's my second favorite one after mine. But he's made a little film Uh, just about this situation, and I will send it to you. I don't know if you want to post that along with whatever you post about this. Turjay Toftinus is his name. Okay, so Suzanne, there's much more that we still can't talk about, but I stumbled across the Wikipedia entry for crop circles, and it says that the scientific consensus on crop circles is that most or all are constructed by human beings as a prank. Now, I'm extremely skeptical, as most people should be, about Wikipedia for the simple reason that pretty much anyone can go on and edit anything they like on there. I also am fascinated by the fact that anything that could be construed as in any way semi-conspiratorial seems to be diluted and disappears. But what would you say? I mean, that's kind of almost a definition on Wikipedia, which unfortunately is a huge number of people's first point of reference for anything that they're looking up and is accepted by a lot of people as gospel. There doesn't appear to be any scientific consensus on crop circles one way or another, bar the research that has been done on the physical, chemical and biological effects in some crop circles. So what would you say to that statement? I'll read it again. The scientific consensus on crop circles is that most or all are constructed by human beings as a prank. Well, you've opened a real can of worms here, even more so than you've indicated. Um, e and you've opened a can of worms that I have worms in. Uh, Wikipedia is currently being controlled by the skeptics. Every person on Wikipedia who is working outside of materialist science is labeled a pseudoscientist. It's shameful. Um, Rupert Sheldrake, who I think the world of, who's uh, English, or one of your one of your compatriots over there, uh, who um, I admire tremendously for uh, the non-conventional kind of things that he does, and yet does them very scientifically. Although he comes in for huge criticism, but uh, I think he's one of the most interesting uh, and, and worth listening to scientists in the world today. Mm -hmm. He tried to put together a team of people uh, to take on Wikipedia, to deal with them, uh, whereby some people with really uh, very scientifically grounded work, although not materialist science, things, people working in categories of consciousness, of the influence of unseen forces, all of those people at the moment are being labeled pseudoscientists on Wikipedia. It is shameful. Uh, 
it's in some tandem to a situation with Ted. Now, we're in a whole other world here uh, with what's going on with Ted. But they've, they've also come under the influence of the skeptics, and they started censoring things a couple of years ago, such as they had never done before. And um, Yeah, I remember the Graham Hancock interview. It's just one that exactly. springs to mind. Yeah. Exactly. It was Graham Hancock and Rupert Sheldrake that they first went after and removed their talks from their uh, essential database. It caused a huge outcry in the world. Uh, I was their third victim. I was producing a program for them. Uh, TEDx West Hollywood was my program. And my program had its license canceled two weeks before the program was to go on because I was dealing in such things as psi. Uh, by eminent scientists who had credentials, uh, impeccable credentials, didn't matter. My subject matter was deemed pseudoscience. And, um, and it is the same skeptic influence on them that influences Wikipedia. And um, what can we say? I mean, Wikipedia is taken as such a, an authority of sorts. Everybody knows that, you know, it's not the bottom line because it can be influenced, but the fact that it's being influenced systematically by this skeptic force and you cannot undo that is really quite shameful. It's one of the big shameful things going on in the world today. And so, you know, no matter what you do on this crop circle, that is a ridiculous statement, the one that you quoted, that there's consensus among, that is ridiculous. There is no such thing. Um, so what can we say after that, except, you know, if you have any influence <laughs> with the powers that be, something should take on this Wikipedia thing that can be effective. Rupert was totally unsuccessful in his attempt to open the minds or change the policy or, you know, redress this terrible wrong that's being done by Wikipedia. I don't I don't have a whole lot of faith in Wikipedia and the reason I brought that statement into the interview was quite simply because I do know a lot of people reference Wikipedia as a first source of information and quite often don't go any further so I wanted to get your view on that because I mean there were several logical fallacies in that one statement that sprung to mind straight away. You know, John, I also want to tell you Nature magazine over there, so well respected, has also echoed that uh, um, they've accepted material that has made that statement as well. And, you know, I don't subscribe to that. It's a couple hundred dollars a year and it's not really my central focus and Mm -hmm. I don't subscribe. And I cannot communicate with, they will not accept my communication to count, you know, to counteract what's been said there. very frustrating and very annoying. I mean, people who drop statements like that and leave them, you know, as if, oh, of course, and and who are respected sources, really put out uh, shameful information into the world. So... I don't know. The world has got shameful stuff going on. Well, that's it. Plenty of shameful stuff and plenty of disinformation then to back up that shameful stuff too whenever there's any kind of counter to the shameful stuff that's iterated by anyone. But into the realm of speculation we're about to go, Suzanne. But before I do that, there's just something that I thought I'd bring up and that was the uh, the Rockefeller funding because the name Rockefeller for so many people and so many listeners to this show would be synonymous with things that are quite nefarious and um, hidden and occult. So why do you think Rockefeller took such an interest in crop circles specifically? And was it as at his death that the funding ended or did he appear to lose interest in it? 
Oh, no, no, it was his death. He was funding, you know, a fair number of things with UFO sort of things. He was very interested in all of that. And he was just the maverick in the family. Uh, the rest of the family was uninterested. But I, I wouldn't put them all down either. We have many wonderful things that the Rockefeller Foundation has done. And, um, you know, that's that's the world. You know, that's the world of uh, big money. And um, it does good and it does bad. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, w he was, you know, an ally. He was a real ally. And, and uh, what a loss. But, you know, he was an old man. He was 90-ish when he died. It wasn't that he got taken from us early. Uh, but, you know, would that he were still here. And then speculation. I would love to get your views on what's going on with the crop circles. Where do they come from? Who or what makes them? And why? The big question for me is why? Because it's absolutely baffling for so many people. So what do you think as one of the best known and most preeminent, I suppose, crop circle experts and researchers in the world, Suzanne? We call me crop circle queen. <laughs> <laughs> so your queen will speak. All right. Uh, I, well, be, be very I, careful what you say about queens speaking to an Irishman. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> erase. All right. So the why is, um, I think, you know, a wonderful question, an important question. Um, people w might think that we are being given some kind of alphabet or some kind of hieroglyph, like hieroglyphics. If we can translate it, we'd know what the message is, as if somehow there is an overall communication being made that we just haven't translated yet, we haven't tuned into yet. But I don't think so. What I think is, first of all, many individual formations have information in, in them, very specific information, uh, formulas, uh, predicting events on Earth. Uh, we're going to get an eclipse and you'll get uh, a formation that's quite clearly an eclipse in, in wheat, you know. Uh, there is individual formations, many of them have a lot of recognizable information, symbols we recognize. Many of them have that in them. Now, I don't think when you put them together, you get anything uh, beyond that. And so then you would say, well, wh why would they be sending them? And of course, we're speculating. You know, we have to guess. Nobody's telling us. But my guess is that what some force is doing is sending us intelligence, things we do recognize, so that we would have to understand that there is another intelligence engaging with us. Once we know that, everything changes, back to where we started from in this interview. Once, once it is accepted, it's in headlines everywhere, contact is being made, we are being visited, everyone comes to attention. Everyone has to rethink, what's going on? And then we're in one conversation in the whole world. We're relating to the other, all of us, are in relation to the other. So we get a unifying force such as we don't have to create one wonderful conversation on Earth where we're cooperating, where we're trying to figure out something together. What a wonderful thing that would be. And I think that whatever is sending that, you know, must be scratching its whatever passes for its head going, why don't they get it? We keep sending them intelligence, intelligence, intelligence. Why don't they get that there's an intelligent source sending these? I don't know, I, but I believe that that is the why of it. And um, I, I do want to 
tell you before you know we, we run out of time here that I think there is a good possibility that whatever's being done in England now is all being hoaxed. Uh, the quality has gone way down in the last few years, very few interesting ones. And the interesting ones show telltale signs of not being the genuine thing. But I do believe the genuine thing is happening in the Netherlands now. There's, it's fascinating what is going on in the Netherlands. And you want to, you know, you'll find it all on this bltresearch.com. But there's a particular, it, it has a different character in the Netherlands. There's a particular person, his name is Robert Vanderbroek. A Robert with two Bs, you'll recognize when they talk about Robert with two Bs. Uh, very controversial, as you know, the world is. Uh, if you read some things, you'd go, oh, he's a total fake. No, 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 don't read those things or don't accept those things. Because Nancy Talbert, our science lady, who is so straight arrow, who is so salt of the earth, who is so unwoo-woo, almost kind of interesting that she's involved in a phenomenon that's so astonishing. Mm -hmm. uh, but she's such a science lady. She is real grounded salt of the earth. She's really uh, the, the, the um, authenticator of what's going on in the Netherlands. She is in tight touch with what's going on over there, which is all happening around this Robert Vanderbroek, who will tell you before a circle appears, where it will appear and what the shape will be. And, you know, being observed, it's not him going out and making them. Uh, we've had this going on for some little while, but it's escalating now more so than ever. And um, I do believe that that's the real phenomenon now. We actually had an eyewitness account by Nancy over there in the Netherlands um, three, four, five years ago. Uh, she was privy to, she was one of the eyewitness people uh, after the uh, Center for the Study of Crop Circles uh, disbanded and we had our 25 old reports. There have been some that have happened since then and Nancy is one of them. Uh, so blessings that we have a person that we can really rely on that I know I can rely on her. When she's telling me something, it's what's happening. And uh, so, you know, whatever you might hear, if, if you go delving into what's going on in the Netherlands that turns you off, don't, don't stop there. Uh, keep looking at what Nancy is putting out on bltresearch.com where you'll find it all. And she also has a Facebook page now. Just recently, she's gotten into the modern world of Facebook. And so you can track everything about that on her Facebook page. So that's Nancy Talbot with two Ts. Yes, yes. Exactly. Great. So just to get back to England then for a second, you think then that there aren't any genuine ones being formed at all at the moment in England, that it's all just the hoaxers. So could it be then the case that the hoaxers are actually scaring away the real ones? I think so. You know, I think it got so contentious over there. And then, I don't know, a lot of other kind of human nature took over where the crop circle researchers themselves became contentious with one another. The one who uh, takes the uh, pictures, who takes beautiful pictures, uh, gets this another of the major photographers who goes up in the air and takes pictures she turn he turns her into the aviation authority she's not flying 
with credentials, and so he knocks her out of the air. She can't take pictures anymore, that sort of thing. There's very nasty things going on, and I don't know, uh, you know, the hoaxers in a way were the uh, seedbed of contentiousness, but I guess the world is full of dualistic contentiousness <laughs> everywhere you look. And uh, this phenomenon, unfortunately, has turned out to be one of those arenas because earlier on, it was so exciting to be there. Everybody was so interested and curious and kind of one person would take some pictures and everybody else would look at their pictures. And, um, it, you know, it was thrilling to be there. Now it's kind of everybody's holed up in their separate camps. There's no great, you know, buzz going on. And if I were the uh, phenomenon, the, the source of the real phenomenon, I would not throw my pearls before swines anymore. It's not escalating in interest over there. It's devolving. And so why bother, you know? And I think they've taken their marbles and gone to the Netherlands with them. And then I'll also tell you that all over the world now, there are more in other countries than there ever have been, but none of them in a concentrated area where we can study them. They just appear and then, you know, you know, where there's airplanes flying everywhere and pictures are taken. And the pictures are all sent in to, uh, to be, you know, we, 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 we get to see the pictures from all over the world. And the, um, uh, there are many countries that haven't had them before. So I don't know. I don't know if the phenomenon, I don't know if those are genuine or not because we don't have them being examined. Yeah. Uh, in the Netherlands, we're doing a lot of examining, but we're not examining all over the world. But I'm wondering if they're kind of sprinkling them in places they never have before, real ones. Uh, I don't know. Vote's not in yet. Well, time will tell. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to find out. And before we let you go, Suzanne, the documentary is What on Earth? Inside the Crop Circle Mystery. Give us your website and online details again for those who are interested who might like to find out more. Well, the place to go for the central, you know, uh, information is cropcirclemovie.com. As I say, we look at the trailer, you'll find out how you can see the movie. We also have a Facebook page. Uh, uh, it's uh, facebook.com slash cropcirclemovie. Um, so you can tune in to us there. And to Nancy Talbot now, as I say, she has a Facebook page, although I'm posting pretty much her stuff as well. If you go to mine, you'll you'll get all the rest. Um, I'm not posting a lot of the thing that's stuff that looks hoaxed. Uh, I'm just trying to track with what seems to have real genuine juice to it. Or sometimes I'll post and I'll go, you know, this is this, the shame of what's going on. Sometimes I'll put a post up like that. Uh, but, you know, it, it, this is a really interesting thing. It's still quite alive in the Netherlands. Uh, we're, we're not finished with this yet. We're, we're, we're hot and heavy. We still got something really fascinating going on. And, you know, I just urge everybody to pay a little bit of attention. And if anybody has any influence with the press, ah, what a blessing that would be. We really, you know, there's a good story there, however it turns out to be. And I, I, I wish we could sell it to, you know, some responsible press organization. I hope we'll see a sequel at some point in the future, that there will be some kind of new, lo new light shed on this and that there will be scope to do a follow-up with even more information. Would that be something you'd be interested in, perhaps? Oh, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the Netherlands. I'm looking at maybe going over there next summer, spending the summer there. So stay tuned. We certainly will. Suzanne Taylor, it's been fantastic speaking to you on Alchemy Radio. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Thank you for joining me. 
Well, it's been my pleasure, really. I love talking about these things. And, uh, you know, if I can do my little part to wake the world up to something that would really help it a lot, uh, I will feel like it was a life well lived. Al Cross circles in the moonlight, meet us boys have been around. Show the girls a little good time, spinning tires in the soft ground. Crop circles round a campfire, we're gonna smolder a little grass. Watch out, Farmer Johnson's got salt shot to pepper you. Farmer Johnson's got a shotgun. Running naked through a cornfield Something came in the middle of the night Stole moonshine from a stick There's burn marks in a circle Strange signs upon the ground He thinks the aliens Have touched down in our little town We know Crop circles in the moonlight Mean us boys have been around Show the girls a little good time Spinning tires in the soft ground Crop circles round a campfire We're gonna smolder a little grass Watch out, Crazy Johnson's got Salt shot to pepper you Johnson took his hat off Open mic at the town hall Said we're visitors sitting among Somewhere beyond the stars You'll know them cause they like trouble They drink our beer, they like fun I even seen them with the mayor's daughter Driving around in a local boy's truck All oh, but we know Rock circles in the moonlight Mean us boys have been around Show the girls a little good time Spinning tires in the soft ground Crop circles round a campfire, we gonna smolder a little grass. But watch out, Crazy Johnson's gone, salt shot to pepper you. He says they're gonna beam us up, beam us up, take us in our trucks. They're gonna beam us up, beam us up, experiment on us. They're gonna beam us up, beam us up, take us in our trucks. They're gonna beam us up. Beam us up, experiment on us Crop circles in the moonlight Mean us boys have been around Show your girls a little good time Spinning tires in the soft ground Crop circles round a campfire, we're gonna smolder a little grass. Watch out, Crazy Johnson's got salt shot to pepper you. Yeah, girls, we're gonna beam you up, beam you up, take you in our trucks. Beam you up, beam you up, experiment on love. We're gonna beam you up, beam you up. Take you in our trucks We're gonna beam you up Beam you up Experiment on love 
I hope you've enjoyed the latest episode of Alchemy. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format, and we're extremely grateful for any help you can offer. There's no fixed cost on your donations, and every little bit helps, so if you could spare, for example, the price of a cup of coffee every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website, and your support and assistance is hugely appreciated, and indeed, thank you to everybody who did donate over the last couple of weeks. So then, until the next time, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Alchemy. Alchemy. Care. Alchemy. Will. Intelligence. Imagination. Alchemy. Alchemy. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?